Welcome back to the Nick Finzer Audio Experience. Today, we're talking about active listening, what I would fix in my records if I could go back and fix them. We're also talking about the compositional process. This is Ask Nick, episode 73. It's a throwback, and I hope you enjoy the show today. If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and go over to your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It's very helpful to the show, and uh, we can't wait to share new Q&As and new audio with you very soon. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Coming up, we have um, the International Trombone Festival, July 14th through 17th or 18th um, in Columbus, Georgia, and I'm going to be there uh, performing and hanging out, and so I look forward to seeing some people there. It's also going to be totally streamed online, which will be really great. I'll be doing some stuff with the uh, youth workshop there, the ITF youth workshop, so that'll be exciting, and leading a jam session one of the nights, and I know Elliot Mason's going to be there, and... Ben Patterson from formerly of the Airmen of Note and Sarah Giacovino and John Fedchok and I'm playing with uh, Jennifer Wharton and her group Bonegasm. We're doing a recital so that'll be exciting as well. So I hope you can make it out to the International Trombone Festival online or in person just for my um, email list for the for the educational stuff that I do I sent out this week um, a pre-order link for uh, a new course that I'm launching, a jazz composition course. And that jazz composition course, uh, you can find it on the teachable.com studio for the Institute for Creative Music. Or if you just search Nick Finzer composition course, it will come up uh, on Google. But uh, it's not officially released yet. But if you're here and you're hearing this and you want to go and check it out, uh, you can do that. There's a pre-order open on that because I think that uh, composition and arranging and improvising are all linked together in various ways and uh, especially our improvisational voice and our compositional voice you know those those ideas that we have and those choices that we make if we can make them out of time you know like when you're composing you're you're making those improvisational choices not in time right you're they're out of time you're good to go back you get to reflect you get to think about what you really meant it can really help you to define that musical voice that you're developing really important uh, skill for a developing improviser uh, if whether it's just to do etudes whether it's just to do blues or rhythm changes or something like that all of that uh, stuff well so we'll walk you through like there's like i think it's 10 or it's 10 or more lessons uh so we're, that we take through some steps and we kind of go through and talk about all things jazz composition so i'm getting ready to launch a new book jazz trombone duets that feature improvisation i'm going to launch that at the itf so uh, if you're going to come, that'll be the first place to get hard copies will be actually at the International Trombone Festival at their merch table or maybe at the Conselmer booth, one or the other or both. Uh, I wrote 10 duets that feature improvisation and it's just for two instruments, not like two instruments plus rhythm section. It's just for two horns. So um, it's called Get To It and uh, that'll be available in hard copy and PDF. So all that will be on my website soon. If you want it sooner than later, just send me an email. What was an experience that really taught you what it meant to be a professional musician? And so I guess what he probably means by saying what it means what it te to teach you to be a professional musician being like a tough situation where you realize you have to be ready to go at any point and you can just get up, go and make something happen. And I would say that was, I would say a couple of experiences that definitely kind of reflect that being on sublist for Broadway. I started doing... Um, the Lion King, the guy likes to call out at the last minute, the guy whose chair it was. He would call at like 6 for an 8 o'clock downbeat. And I hadn't played the show in a couple of months. 
you know and it's like okay this is what means this is being a professional getting the call saying yes going and doing it and just making it happen man you just have to sometimes just make make stuff happen so on the topic of composition what have you been listening to lately to broaden your writing do you try to listen to world music to expand your ideas i've been doing some research about composing in some other more like cinematic type genres so i've listened to some stuff like that i haven't really specifically been listening well the other thing i've been listening to to get inspiration for writing because i've been trying to write this darn project for like two years it's a collaboration between my group here and now just sextet with uh, Lucas Pino, who plays tenor and bass clarinet, Alex Wentz, who plays guitar, uh, Glenn Zaleski on piano, Dave Barron on bass, and Jimmy McBride on drums. So it's, you know, kind of the horn, the guitar is kind of like a horn. So it's like three horns and rhythm section, plus a uh, percussion ensemble. So I don't really know that much about percussion ensemble. So I've been watching a lot of videos and um, listening to some percussion ensemble music, like anything from Steve Reich and that kind of minimalism vibe to, you know, um, more contemporary things and improvised things trying to figure out like what the best instrumentation is and so I got some people I got to talk to some more uh, I wrote like 30 or 40 percent of a piece um, for that kind of ensemble and then I kind of stopped and I got to get back to it so one of these days who would be your first choice personnel in the Nick Finzer trombone ensemble album wow it always in New York at least comes down to like who's actually available on the dates that you wanted I know you didn't probably mean this, Jack, but I'm going to say that, like, I'm going to have, like, the core ensemble, and then I'm going to have guest artists so that I can concentrate on having as many people as possible. But if I, but I think it would be kind of like contemporaries and then, like, heroes as the guest artists. So, like, uh, in the ensemble, the people that I would love to have would be, like, Michael Deese, Ryan Keberly, Marshall Jilks. I guess I would play. So, I need, so two more tenor players. So James Burton, who's really great. I think maybe Michael Davis or Steve Davis, but no, Steve Davis, I think he would be a guest. I would have like Teray and Steve Davis and Wycliffe and Conrad. I basically steal all the guest artists from Michael Davis's <laughs> hip bone big band, basically, and then uh, create a, a trombone ensemble album. Uh, I think it'll probably happen. It's, it's just one of those things where it has to be the right thing at the right time because nobody outside of trombone land wants to hear trombone ensemble music, really. I know that it sounds great, but everybody doesn't know so we gotta sh we gotta show them we gotta teach them i didn't say bass trombone so i probably call jen wharton because she's really great jeff nelson if this is in new york because jeff is a beast or max seigel max seigel is really great too and do you lip buzz for a very short period of time i tried to you think you mean like free buzzing like right now i could just free buzz i tried it for a while and i didn't find that it was actually that useful for me it did more kind of damage than good talking about on the mouthpiece i only do that very rarely and very specific times when i'm really feeling like i need to work on my aperture i need to work on the control um, so i'll work on that with doing some buzzing but i'm not a big buzzing person um, i've talked to some other people about this and it's kind of like people are very opinionated about it but to me i don't think you really buzz when you play so to practice buzzing is a little bit um useless it's but it's not useless i don't mean it totally as like it's not a hundred percent yes or no because i do it sometimes but i it, it is a different thing so i don't do it too much you know a little bit and saying it is useless is kind of being too extreme you know that's not really what i mean you write dynamics crescendos to crescendos when you write down your transcriptions yes i write as many details as i can into a transcription i like to think about this imaginary jazz transcription playing robot 
that could play with swing feel and like could play everything that you wrote down. So I'm going to be as specific as possible so that this imaginary jazz robot who's going to sight read my chart, my transcription, will do it correctly and perfectly the first time. So that's what I aim for. It doesn't always happen, you know. I'm always revising. Even the stuff that I've published, I find mistakes in years later, you know. So, you know, we do we all do the best we can and revise it as much as we can, but it's inevitable that you'll keep on hearing more details. So keep adding more details. If you could go back and fix any record you've worked on, what would you change or do better on and why? I kind of view things as like a little document, man. So I don't know that I would, um, what would I change, man? Um, I, I don't think I would change anything because the records, they are what they are. Like you can go back and play them again, but then that version would just be another version. I mean, if I had to go back and do anything again, I would actually like on my first record, I did it in two days, but there was no reason I needed to do it in two days. I could have done it in one day. I would get less stressed, you know? I, get, I tend to get stressed out before a session, you know, because you want it to go well. And I try to do it in a day always. Um, so I would like just tell myself that you need to, you don't need to have so much material. 45 minutes is more than enough music for a record. You don't need to fill up all 70 minutes of a CD. It's ridiculous. It's silly. You don't need to do it. Seven, eight tunes, nine tunes, that's way more than enough. You know, you could get six, maybe five, six tunes on a, a vinyl LP and that was cool. And the big problem comes, you know, from, you know, from my record label point of view is like you make a record and it's 60 minutes and then you go and you say people are asking for vinyl and you're like, oh, I want to make vinyl for these people. And then you have to cut off 25% of your record to make it fit on vinyl or more. Don't record as much music. Be a little bit more focused. Make, you know, record 10 and pick seven or eight, you know, if you're going to do it that way. If you wrote and composed an original Broadway show what would the plot be and what would the music be like if i was to write it it would be like i think it would have to be like classic show tune cole porter vibe and try to write like new standards like that i've never once in my life thought about a plot of a musical so i can't really answer that question is it possible to do music performance and music technology in college yes uh, there's a lot of places that allow you to do that. If you're talking about like, wanting to get a degree in both, I don't know if you can all, in all places, but I know that in many places you can participate in the music technology side 100% and do a performance degree. Even uh, in some places you can get a music technology degree. I know I would look into places that have you know some pop music part of their program or commercial music part of their program, like uh, maybe Berkeley or UNT. Both of those places do. I know like Miami has some things in that realm i don't know the full catalog of every school so you'd have to probably go and do a little bit of research but nyu too i think i don't know if you can get a two degrees in both but you could definitely be a performance major and participate in the technology or be a technology major and then also play in ensembles and things of that nature if you could arrange an orchestral version of a standard which one would you choose i think a lot of them have already been done but if you're just saying like redo and my do my own version of one i love the tune laura man and so i would just do that just like go to tunes that you love. You know, I used to kind of be self-conscious about wanting to play the same tunes all the time. Uh, I've been getting less self-conscious of wanting to play the same tunes all the time. Because if it's a nice tune, it's a nice tune. And there's a reason why it's classic, man. Or Stardust. I wouldn't do Stardust because there's too many versions. And there's so many great versions I couldn't possibly like match. So I would never do that. But something that's something that I really love and I love to play. Like Laura. I like that one. What would you do different with an in-person version of the jazz trombone boot camp? There would be concerts or events kind of every night. There'd be some kind of jam session. There'd be a rhythm section. There would be um, 
probably like a concert with each one of the guest artists in addition to the master class it's just a lot to ask i think of um people that don't do technology stuff all the time to ask them to like record a concert and things of that nature so i think that that would be a thing having everybody getting lessons throughout the week would also be a thing having practice time would be a thing having just hang time listening time that would be a thing um we got a one we got to find a location and then we got to find enough people that want to come because i know mike d's originally the jazz institute in brevard was like a, a trombone focused camp and then expanded into a full uh, jazz camp there's a lot of trombone players out there but sometimes running a camp with more instruments is more um, feasible just for like the cost of renting like a nice place to be you know like uh, like Rivard, for example it's ex it can be expensive so and we got to find if people are willing to come and um, spend the amount of money that it would cost to like stay there and all those things it's, it's, it's like kind of a different economic model than just like then an online camp you know there's a you can do it a lot more um, cheaply what advice do you give your students about listening actively to records to listen for specific things like specific specific things like what is the bass doing what is the hi-hat doing doing it with one track at a time doing it with other people just talking about the records with other people and hanging out and not worrying too much about always being uh, super super detailed and educational like just sometimes stuff is just great you know show people new stuff that they haven't heard before all of those sort of things i think is uh important to do with other people so if i could go and do anything more you know with like my, my experience in undergrad or something like that i would go and listen to records more so i could have gotten more insight about the music a little bit faster because it's that's it's a community music and you need the community to help with that aspect of the music how is your process while composing do you compose from the trombone my process while composing it's changed but it's usually at the piano and or vocalizing i've been trying to write more um, things that are like i can sing because you want things to be a little bit memorable at least and then to kind of contrast those with more technical things sometimes if it's a more technical line i'll try to write it on the trombone but i really try to be able to sing something even if it's a fast line and then figure out what it would be on the trombone and make some, make adjustments i mean a great example of that is like if you check out my tune called the chase fast line at the beginning and awkward leaps but it lays really easily on the trombone so there's an example of something that i wrote that's like super easy on trombone but sounds super crazy and is really hard on saxophone apparently um, but not that hard on trombone because i wrote it on the trombone but usually i write at the piano and singing and i just brainstorm for a long time i've done some other um, more deeper dives into this topic i generally like brainstorm for a long time all different ideas like from a certain um, genesis idea so starting with one scale sound key center and then someone and then kind of blowing it up from there into um, p different ideas and chord structures and sequences and all that kind of stuff have you ever known someone to add any substance to the slide handle to increase grip well yeah steve trey makes a gripper he makes it out of plastic and then paints it with nail polish i don't know how like healthy it is to um, in inhale all those fumes and they also used to make like put tape like tape on the slide or something to like grip it a little more or like some people put like the cord uh from like a phone cord or like an analog phone cord like around the wrap here on the neck pipe and or on the slide like to have some grip or leather stuff people put leather grips good afternoon what advice would you have for a bachelor's trombonist for jobs while in grad school i mean i think getting into a into the like entrepreneurial mindset of like doing something on your own rather than getting a job 
doing something where you can create the income yourself that could potentially be scalable in the future, whether it's building a lesson business, whether it's building like a consulting business where you're helping teachers teach jazz, learn how to teach jazz, if it's selling a product, if it's doing marketing, if it's doing audio, video stuff, like something that's going to teach you the skills of being a freelancer while you're in school is going to be more difficult and more time consuming, but is ultimately like what it is like out in the world and to develop those uh, well the mindset number one and develop the wherewithal like what can i do other than play the trombone to make money i would do that i would find like an entrepreneurial way to make money that's what i would do buy and sell stuff go garage sailing and resell stuff uh buy um sneakers and flip them or hoodies or whatever you know, do any of those sort of things that involve just like buying and selling, transacting tr just from money so that you can get that entrepreneurial stuff going inside of you. Because you have to be and to be a freelancer, you know, ultimately. If you just want a job, then being a musician might be difficult for you. Just like to show up at the same time every day, you know, just doesn't really work that way. How do you fill in the gap between natural slurs from like B flat to F or how to make it smoother like it's really connected? Yeah, you don't want to have a gap, right? I think of it as a hill instead of a staircase. That's something I talk about in a, you wanna have the, I always talk about like the, the moment of change. There's a YouTube video called that, the moment of change, talking about lip slurs. So if you wanna dive deeper into this topic, go watch that video. But you have to change immediately from the F to the B flat. So you have to hear the note first, and then you have to change immediately. Like the thing that happens is we go too slow from the noise. We get all the in-between because we buzz, right? This goes back to why I don't really buzz because you go and you practice like sirens on the buzz, right? Right, because that's what we want. It's like a hill. But if you only practice that way, then you always have all that nonsense in between and you get when you're coming back up and down. So you have to practice just the moment of changing from back and forth and so you just have to try to wait till the very last moment and you, i try to imagine in my mind what it's going to feel like to switch really quickly and so i'll just play an f and then get back to me like i don't know if it's the right pitch but i would just practice it that way one note at a time smooth it out baby how do you balance your trombone practicing these days i am trying to commit to doing my routine every day uh I'm doing the get ready routine because it's 20 minutes and I wrote the darn thing. So I figured I should see how it works. And it really has been really helpful for me, actually. It's been making me feel like pretty strong, pretty fast without um, too much time warming up uh, because it's just the basics, man. It's just a long tones, lip slurs, pedal tones, pitch bends, articulation, getting high, getting low, bang. So I've been trying to focus on doing a same routine because it's been so long since I've done like a routine. I want to get back. I wanted to try it and see, see what was happening because it's been since maybe Eastman or Juilliard where I've had like a routine and I'm going to go through this routine. But I also don't have that much time, so I'm not going to do a long one and do a short one. Got to do what you can and try not to beat yourself up, especially after school is done. You know, that's why you got to put all the time in while you're in school. I rely so much on the foundation of time that I put in while I was an undergrad and grad school to get me through playing now because uh, there's just not as much time. So finding any um, chance to um, practice short sessions, you know, whatever it means, you know, at least trying to just make the time to do it. If you don't make the time, I like, I have to schedule things in. If I don't schedule it in, it's not going to happen because uh, I have to kind of 
hold myself accountable in that way. So I put it on my calendar. Like, I'm going to practice at this time, and I do it. Because if I say I'm going to do something, even if I say it only to myself, I'm pretty good at making sure that it happens. Um, that's just something that has always worked well for me. So if I say I'm going to do it, then I just do it. Thoughts about advanced degrees versus real-world experience and artist diploma. So the thing with the artist diploma thing is, like, that's just, like, a great way to go somewhere and get into a program and meet some people. I would do that personally over a DMA if you want to play. And so you're probably talking about like the Juilliard AD thing. I don't know how many other places have an artist diploma like that. If you can do the Juilliard artist diploma program, I would do it because it gets you to the school. You're technically a student, but you don't really have to be a student in the same way as if you're a DMA student, for example. That's so much time and effort and research and years of your life you know the dma program is like two years i think so it's like 18 months long it allows you to meet people and have a community which i think is really important when you move to a new city so i would do that i personally said a long time ago i wasn't going to get a dma and i was going to use <clears throat> real world experience to get me a teaching job if i needed it i kind of viewed the first gig that i had at florida state as um me going and learning how to teach and getting a DMA, you know, like instead of getting a DMA, I just got a job teaching college and learning through experience. And that's how I've always been. I've always been a person that learns through experience and just dives in and tries to make stuff happen and learn on the fly and see what works and what doesn't work and, you know, give it my all and be honest and all those things. And so I, that's what I did. So I just got a job and tried to learn through doing. And then I found that one thing led to the next and I didn't need to go back and get that piece of paper. Luckily, I've found institutions that don't care 100%. They would like it if I had that piece of paper, but they've you know been okay with not having it. I think it's changing though, if you really wanna be a college professor, especially at a, um, you know, like a big school that's not music focused. So, you know, it's like they do lots of different things. You know, they want to have those DMA people, the PhD people even, you know. But my thoughts are that it's not for me. And you have to be, know why you're going to do it. If you want to be a researcher, if you want to be a professor, like it's the, that is the way to go. You have to do that. You have to get a PhD. If you just want to play the trombone, you don't really need a doctorate to play the trombone. If you want to teach classical trombone, then you kind of need, you kind of need that. But Situation, you wake up on tour feeling sick. What are your tricks and remedies to get your, it says asked, get your asked but I think to get your uh, your butt together. Vitamin C, lots of water, and I, don't just, I just don't let it bother me. I go running if I feel sick because um, it's probably counterintuitive, but it makes me feel better. You get the blood flowing, get the endorphins going, get the immune system going, so I run. Especially if I'm feeling sick, I run. If I feel tired, I run on tour, 100%. Exercise, that's what gets me going. Uh, if I'm feeling crappy, it doesn't matter, stomach, head whatever uh, on top of what Jackson was saying do you apply the same thing to practicing when you have a headache or are really tired do you set aside a small amount of time to practice your bone man okay check this out making real live music involves creating vibrations and those vibrations always make me feel better if I feel crappy and I play I feel better because those things they vibrate on a certain frequency and I'm not a big like new agey kind of person but like there's a vibe of that energy and it's a real thing man like it's it's real in my mind it feels real to me that that is a thing so you know I wouldn't uh, not play I would play 
I think so. The, my whole thing is like, if once I've decided that there's things I need to do, I do them whether I feel sick or not, a headache or not, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, that's just not something I would ever consider. You know, like it's just like it doesn't matter that I have a headache. It also doesn't matter if I feel sick. If you especially if you have a gig, like nobody cares. They paid for a ticket, played the darn show. You know, I've seen Wycliffe Gordon do that countless times. He's oh, I'm sick of this that plays great man and and uh so i just guess i just aspire to be like that not because i want to like be a tough guy or something like that but like i don't know i just think that there's a something you just have to decide to do it and you do it but yeah i i think playing music makes you feel better so i would definitely play man really lots of really great questions this week i appreciate you all i'm gonna jump off now i got another class in 10 minutes so i'm gonna give myself a few minutes of a break here but uh, appreciate you all being here hanging out asking questions and uh yeah we'll be back next friday with another episode of the uh, ask nick show and uh i appreciate everyone uh hanging out so have a great weekend holiday weekend in the united states so uh be safe and uh don't set off too many fireworks but otherwise i'll catch you all next friday thanks for being here take care